You're listening to the Cloud Lounge Podcast, a show about business, technology, and all that jazz. Brought to you by Soft Landing, a leading IT service provider in Canada. Let's get started. Here's your host, Zeeshan Randawa. Welcome to the Cloud Lounge. I'm your host, Zeeshan. In 2023, if there is something we have an abundance of, it is data. Today, we are generating more data than we ever have. In 2023, we will create nearly three times the volume of data generated in 2019. And we have all kinds of data, data that's being created by us as information workers, and also data that's being generated or stored by the systems we use on a day-to-day basis. It's projected that in 2025, people will create more than 101 zettabytes of data. And when we're talking data, we aren't simply referring to documents being created. Think of videos produced, meeting recordings, audio, social media activities, emails, and so on. 80% of companies estimate that 50 to 90% of their data is unstructured. And most likely, the majority of them are not taking advantage of this wealth of data that they are sitting on. So today, we want to talk about how you can leverage this hidden treasure of data in your business to help with things like decision-making. We're talking about getting started with your data analytics journey. There are a lot of benefits you can realize by investing in data analytics, things like improved productivity and efficiency, so knowing what parts of your business to focus on, faster, more effective decision-making, improved customer experience and retention, so knowing where you're using data to understand your customers better, A great example of this is Netflix. Netflix knows its audience by using the data it gathers on it. It's estimated that Netflix saves $1 billion a year, yes, with a B, thanks to its recommendation algorithms alone. Now, a lot of organizations have false starts with data analytics, and a lot of that can be attributed to not having the intent defined for data analytics. I'm talking about actually understanding within your organization what is important to measure and how you will use that information to drive improved decision-making. But it's not simply just about extrapolating meaningful information from data. There are things to consider as well, things like security, stewardship or ownership of data, and so on. And to help us today with exploring these considerations is our very own Rich Balmy. Rich is our data analytics team lead here at Soft Landing and has close to two decades of experience with data analytics. This includes his previous gig of working with data in the highly regulated finance sector in Canada. Welcome to the Cloud Lounge, Rich, and thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. So Rich, let's start with the real basics. Each year, new buzzwords around data analytics enter the community. Can we just pick a few and perhaps analyze what they truly mean? So do you have any kind of real, off the top of your head, real important terms that you think it would make sense for us to kind of uh, define or, or, or set the stage on? Sure, yeah, it's kind of hard to follow, you know, with data being injected into a different combination of names out there. Big data was a big one. Yeah. I'd say starting probably about 10 years ago. And then how does Data Lake fit into that? And then lately we've had Delta Lake as a key word around here. And I mean, when we look at something like that, what we're talking about is large, vast amounts of data being stored and then analyzed. And Mm -hmm. Data Lake is one of the key aspects of that. And for most people, they're confused as to what the Data Lake actually is. And I guess you could think of that as a storage, really, like a Mm -hmm. very good Mm -hmm. file system to store your data. And then you have something called Delta Lake, which 
to put it loosely, is not a separate lake altogether. Uh, it's one of those names where myself, I try to think of a better name, but really that is like a file in the data lake that has a transaction log associated mm. with it. Got That's it. the best way to sort of sum up those concepts. Then you have data warehouse, lake data warehouse. And when you think about, uh, and those are more concepts around how to form your data for analytical processing. So a lot of things that come up that you'll hear is like star schema, especially mm -hmm. when you start bubbling that up into Power BI. Mm -hmm. It's more of a best practice approach to doing that sort of work. Whereas uh, Lake Warehouse is more of a concept of unifying the overall experience of ingesting and analyzing data out of the data lake. Then you have the idea of machine learning AI. So with machine learning and AI, one of the misconceptions is that you can easily just jump into that. You could, but if your data isn't ready for that, then you're probably not getting it what you expect. So that's mm -hmm. something to consider when looking at that. And I guess one of the last things that are is out there that's really that a lot of people hear a lot about is Spark. So Spark comes up in conversations, especially around data lake and analytics. And the best way to think about Spark is you have data lake is your storage and Spark is your engine. So you need something to take in that data and make use of it, query it, do analytics against it. And Spark is one of those engines for that large, vast amounts of data. So, uh, I mean, that's... That's the key elements behind some of the um, big data and analytics that are going on in that area. Got it. Awesome. Awesome. That's super helpful. Yeah, Rich, you know, in, in your experience um, and kind of looking forward a bit, you know, why is data analytics so important for any organization in 2023? So from that point of view, analytics or data analytics should have been important for every organization for the longest period of time. The difference now is that it's more accessible for any organization because of how the cloud offerings have evolved for ingesting data and analytics. I mentioned mm. Data Lake when it first came out, you had to have Hadoop clusters, which on-premise would have cost a lot of money, a lot of capital, only the big banks or, or large enterprises could afford to set up all that infrastructure and then try to see what they can get out of that. Nowadays, the time, the total cost of ownership and the capital to spin up something like that and to glean data from, it could range from the down to the very small smallest of companies and it wouldn't be that expensive or any overhead to it. So. I would say it's important, but it's even more accessible these days. Got it. It's lower, you know, lower barrier to entry for, for any organization of any size. Correct. Excellent. And, you know, Rich, even if you don't know much about analytics, one of the basic principles that you hear about is with data analytics is that you need good data. Can you kind of just explain to us what you mean or what one would mean by good data? <laughs> you could say, I would actually label that as more as trusted data rather than good data. So you could think of good data as trusted data. For Got this, it. it's a few things. So one is it's 
when the business actually looks at the report of the data coming through, are they getting the results they expect so they don't have to verify every time? So they need to be able to trust that data. If they don't trust it, the reports mean nothing to them. It's just garbage. And that's also important for machine learning and AI is they're going to learn based off that base data. And mm -hmm. if it's not a trusted and clean data for it to build its algorithms or its model off of, then you're going to get garbage in the end. So it's mm -hmm. important to have that good data, which is why you have this concept of data engineering occur beforehand. Got it. Got it. So there's, there's usually to any kind of a data and analytics engagement, there has to be that kind of prep work or yeah, initial stage of actually cleaning that data or, or, or setting the stage. Right. Yeah. Bring, bringing it all together, cleaning it up, data validation, and then after that validation from the end user perspective. And then if they consistently get the results they expect, then they come to trust that data. And mm -hmm. then you can use that to actually get some predictive analytics out of it. And Rich, people love hearing technology actually being applied to the real world, kind of, you know, makes it real for everybody. Uh, would you be able to give us a few kind of real life examples of how organizations are leveraging data analytics and, and how it's helping them or, or parts of the organization? Sure. One example that comes to mind is for one of our clients, they wanted a budget forecast model. So from that perspective, what we had to do was bring the data into Data Lake using Spark and Synapse in order to be able to report off of that and bring it all together, but also mm -hmm. be getting to use it as a trending mechanism for a baseline to try to figure out a what if analysis and basically figuring out what the budget should be for the next year, for the mm -hmm. next fiscal year. And a lot of things went into that to say, you know, what is the salary increase trending like? What is the taxes that need to be paid over year after year? So that way you get a closer idea of what sort of business, new business you need to drum up or to replace in order to keep that growth going. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the interesting projects that I've been involved in. Other ones have been mostly taking data from different sources and different outputs that come from it. So you can have one in, say, your usual database platform like SQL Server, but other ones mm -hmm. could be, say, an uh, API that just dumps JSON to a different endpoint. And that's the nice thing about some, using something like a data lake is that you can land all your data into one place mm -hmm. and then combine it all together pretty relatively easy using something like Spark from, say, Databricks to bring that in and then you're able to model it a little bit easier and then drive that. So that would, what would feed uh, power BI in the end that, and that's usually what uh, most clients want to get to is that power BI model, but being able to bring in all these different data sources in an efficient way and turn through large amounts of data. Got it. Got it. And, and I'm just interested, you know, in the first example you gave, and maybe this is a little early, but, did the, the client go back and kind of see how accurate the projections were? And did they go back and maybe fine tune some of the data or the inputs or anything like that? Like, is, is that kind of a recommended step as a part of this? There was a lot of testing, validation going back and forth. But they, they, we also added the functionality of the end user for their business segment to plug in values and have that interact with the data itself to mm. generate a new model for them. 
so that way they could see the impact of what they would need to do. So they each one would have their own targets. So they would put in their own targets and they would adjust different things. What if I did this? What if I did that? How would that yeah. affect my overall budget for the coming year? I guess I should also mention that we had a mixture of Canadian and U.S. in that model as well. So there was a little bit of FX rates occurring, uh, those sorts of things. So it's, it's actually more complex than you think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. But yeah, it really does become like a, a real live kind of decision-making tool then, right? Where you can kind of accurately project things based on the different values that you're kind of fine-tuning as well. Correct. Yeah. Excellent. You know, we did talk about that initial step or one of the initial steps of, you know, making sure your data is clean and, and so on and so forth. But what are some of the first steps an organization should start with in, in their data analytics journey? So each company is uh, in a different place when it comes to their data life cycle and where they are in their, their, their journey. But a good starting point is usually what we call a data estate assessment. So to review what's currently there, to find all the pain points, to figure out what's the total cost of ownership of that particular environment that they have, all the governance surrounding it, and try to figure out what are some of the short-term and some of the long-term goals. Because when you implement any solution that you look at this, like I say, the the turnaround time to set up this infrastructure is pretty low. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Of course, because it's a cloud cost, typically, you're looking at a monthly cost. So usually you want to see a return on value in a short amount of time. So understanding what your short-term goals are that would give you the most value is probably the most important thing. And to see how long it would take to achieve that, but also be going down a path that allows you to unlock some of the future stuff that you've heard about. So For instance, we talked about machine learning. You want to automate that. Well, you need to be on a platform that will allow for that growth to get up there. Not that you're going to incur costs for something like that, but you're set up for that in the future. And from that, then you'll be able to position yourself quite nicely for any um, future developments to come down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I think, yeah, you kind of hit the nail on the head, really making sure that, you know, an organization has their intent identified up front as well, why they are actually going down the data analytics journey, what they're trying to measure, what they're trying to accomplish. That's that's a really important first step, right? Yeah. And also, you know, tying that back into value, whether it be, are you reducing someone's time that they're generating reports or are you reducing the cost of keeping your existing solution running on premise or in a, in a data center that's costing a lot of money? Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. And, and you know, just in closing here, in your opinion, how do you see data analytics evolve in the next few years? What, what do you think is coming down, the, coming down the pipe? Well, there's things I know coming down the pipe, but I probably can't talk about it. But, <laughs> but <laughs> some of the things that trending wise, it's going to be, it's obviously going to get a lot easier and, and more automated. And we've already seen that, like I said, beforehand, you used to, it used to be so complicated to deal with the data lake depending on your background, but now it's becoming a lot more easier with something like Spark and the ability to use different languages. You're not sort of shoehorned into learning one particular language. And, you know, you see lately chat GTP coming into the mix. So you have generative AI now that you could look at and say, well, this can actually be very useful 
for something like, let's say, data cleansing. Data cleansing mm-hmm. has always been a nightmare from any data engineer point of view. So, you, and I'll give you a slight example saying like, you can account for Vancouver being represented different ways, Van, Vancouver, but misspellings or typos, or perhaps just a V there, but the province is BC. So certain things there where it's, it's not as easy to, to code for, but as a human, when you look at something like that, you say, well, that that's clearly Vancouver, but you want to be consistent. And I think something like, like I, I don't know for sure, but I think something like Chat GTP could probably just look at the overall data that they're looking for and actually make a good decision as to what it could be. And I think there's going to be more blurred lines of what I call purpose. Well, what I would like to say is purpose-driven data platforms. So less so this is OLTP transactional system versus a analytical platform versus a big data platform. So you'll see less of that. And then you'll see more of what I guess data mesh is another thing that's a hot topic right now where you're building platforms based off data domains. And that has to do more with governancing around those different areas, depending on the organization itself. And then mm-hmm. you're also going to see an evolution. And it's already happening in data governance. It's always nice to have these large technologies, but to actually have something like say Azure purview uh, and the way it's evolving to make it a lot more, tangible of a data governance platform to allow for enabling people to view it. And I'll I'll give you one example that's recently came out. It's in preview is permissions to data sources, right? So if you look at data governance and how it's done today, a lot of the access control is controlled by IT. Whereas when you look at something like access to data, Typically, what happens is someone will ask for access before the IT can execute it. They would ask the data steward or whoever owns the data, are they allowed access? And that goes through a ticketing system and says approved. And I say, okay, then I'll give you access. Whereas in purview now, you have hooks in there and it's just, it's in preview right now where you as a data owner or someone can go in and say, hey, can I have access to this? Request it. It goes to the data owner. And they can approve it and then it's just done. And yeah. it's to the SQL yeah. layer and it's just allowed. Thus, taking it away from the IT having to worry about, well, should they have access or not? Because there's a lot of that power there. And you know you don't want to give access to the wrong person. So therefore, it's with the person that should give it and it's immediate. Absolutely. And kind of reducing the barriers to update data and, and keep it clean and, and, and meaningful as well, right? Yeah, it's that concept of, you know, you democratize data, you're trying to make it available for everyone to do their job, then that's what the Power BI is, is you could create your own reports. Therefore, it should make sense that there should be less barriers, well, I shouldn't say less barriers, but uh, make it easier for someone to ask for access, and then the person in charge of that can give access. Absolutely. Well, that's been amazing. I, I really do appreciate, Rich, you spending time with us to, to kind of enlighten us on data analytics and, and you know what you breathe day in, day out. Thank you so much for joining us on the Cloud Lounge. No problem. It seems as though we live in a world where we're being inundated with data. And to me, it only makes sense that we sift through the noise and harness all this information and use it to our advantage to help us in making better decisions and more informed decisions. 
And today we've heard that technology is becoming more accessible and easier to help us do just that. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. And again, I would like to thank Rich with his insights on this topic. Folks, this has been the Cloud Lounge. Until next time, take care.